now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, PJ Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Welcome to No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement. I am BJ Kennard, along with Adam Dillinger, who I think last week said you always feel uncomfortable if you have to introduce yourself like that. If I, if I like, hey, I am BJ Kennard. It's my accent. You don't like how you sound saying your name? No. When you say I'm Adam Dillinger? Yeah, I don't like having to say it. And typically, too, if you're like past the age of, you know, freshman seminar in college. Yeah. You never ask to say your full name. Like, that never happens. Even if you do have to say it, it'll be broken, right? So, yeah. like, uh, somebody would say, oh, what's your name? Well, my name's Adam. Uh, okay, uh, what's your last name? Like, you never have to say it together. I gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I think I have to say mine all the time. I say, uh, well, heck, I have to say it every day because when we do uh, the newscast, we start it off with, you know, welcome, and I'm BJ Kennard, and then my partner says, I'm Laura Pence. And then we do the news. You do the news, so it's different. But on my radio show, yeah, rarely do I use my last name. Now, do you? Because you mentioned it's your accent. Do you not like how you sound? No, I hate it. Have you ever tried to do? Had to try to not sound like you? I don't want that to sound bad, but you know what I'm saying. If you don't like how you sound, have you ever tried to change it? You're not talking about uh, because I'll do voices and stuff. Too. You're not talking about doing voices. You're no. talking about actually like. Uh, you know, a voice pattern, having a coach and all that stuff. Yeah. So the first person that I ever asked uh, for a radio job was a uh, ops manager in, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah. And he told me that I would never be on the radio or in television or any broadcast role whatsoever on a microphone because of my accent. Yeah. So then I started exploring voice coaches. Okay. And uh, that was short-lived because I was actually hired right after that guy that told me no got fired. Mm-hmm. Not because of anything to do with me. It was budgetary. Right. I'm still friends with the guy to this stuff. And that rape. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm no, just, that never just, happened. Just kidding. Yeah, Tim's a good dude. Right. But um, the guy that did hire me said, man, it's so distinct. Yeah. It's so different than everybody else that by changing it, you would hamper your career greatly. So I did think about it. And I explored the option, but never did anything with it. Because I, so I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yep. So it's just in a suburb of Atlanta. And I grew up with a Southern accent. My mom and dad have it. My sister has it more so than they do. And when I decided that I was going to do radio at the young age of 18, I was a senior in high school and I figured it out. I said, I need to drop the accent so I could be more universal. Because sure. that's one of the things in radio is... You, if I lost my job today, if I'm at a radio station, the likelihood of being able to go across the street is, is what we say, which means go to another radio station, isn't necessarily likely, but I'm also probably under a non-compete, so I can't work there for six months to a year in most situations. And it's definitely how it works for, for my TV uh, contract. But you got to go somewhere else. You don't know where that's going to be. It's not even in your own town. You have to pack up your stuff and you have to go. So knowing that getting into radio, I didn't know where that first job was going to be. So when I did broadcasting school, a little crash course thing, speech was part of it. So it's the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. He thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees their ghosts. And over time, the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane turns into the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. And the more things you, when you do these 
you know, these set words and you work on the diction and the enunciation. So then I drop my Southern accent. As far as I know at this point, I don't have it anymore. Somebody from the North or from California might go, man, you sound super Southern. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. No, I think you have a, uh, I mean, it's pretty generic. Even even though that I believe at least it used to work this way. If you go to school for broadcast journalism or mass communications Mm -hmm. and there is a voice element there, some of my TV friends have told me that they try to teach um, a Midwestern dialect at times. So you'll mm-hmm. get something that's, uh, I don't know what region you would call that, but it's like a Southern Midwest, sure. like Iowa, yeah. Nebraska, sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe even a little bit more further south than that because uh, my in-laws grew up in Iowa, but like listening to like their parents, like cause the, my, my wife's, I think she's still, I don't know. My wife's grandmother may be dead, and I may have just forgotten. Ooh. But uh, I think she is dead. That's I'm a poor husband. Uh, but the way she would talk at times, oh, you know, almost like a Wisconsin. And the John Candy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah almost sure. Canadian, but out of like Iowa or whatever. And then I have found that though I am Southern, and we live in a Southern state where we're out of South Carolina, when I try to do a Southern accent now, though it's it's my home accent, I can't do it anymore without it sounding fake. You know what's crazy is that the two voices that I grew up with on television and radio. So the most prominent television voice when I was growing up was the man who did the NBC Nightly News every night, and that was Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw. And Tom Brokaw, Gerald Ford. Yes, you know, that that's whole right. Thing. Yeah, that's good. And, and the most prominent radio voice that I remember listening to because of my age, well, there's two, I guess, um, Paul Harvey. Oh, yeah. Maybe. And, and now you know the rest of the story. But I think Paul Harvey, even the stuff I heard when I was a kid was All probably recordings. recorded. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So the most prominent radio voice was Howard Stern. Now, you know what's crazy about Howard Stern and Tom Brokaw? Two most prominent broadcast voices I grew up with, they both have intense accents. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brokaw, it, all, it's, it almost sounds like a speech impediment. Yeah, his is, his is a little weird. And Stern's, I mean, that's his Roosevelt. That's New York City, as New yeah. York as you can get. Yeah. Does the accent thing matter anymore? I don't think it does. You it doesn't television. It does television news. It matters. I believe. Probably. Yeah. I've really. You gotta. I think you gotta look good first. And I don't. I don't know why I'm in television. Um, for that part, I was fortunate. I was a radio broadcaster first, so I sounded like I could deliver the news in a manner that people, if you weren't listening, would trust. Is is what I've been told. I'm not. You know, rolling accolades on myself, but that's that's I how I. That. That's how I got in the door. I believe it. And I and I'm not terrible to look at, so that that makes it okay. Um, yeah, there there are worse in this market. There are worse people uh, that look worse than I do on on television. I'll give you that. I would like to look better. I would because uh, things I don't ever plan on going anywhere else. Like I I I would just love to just stay here forever, really, if I could, because we live in a nice place for people to retire, and I'm okay with that. Uh, so I I think here you can sound however you want to sound as long as you're somewhat competent. I think you can do it. Radio or television. You know, another thing, too, I meet a bunch of, because this is such a great place for folks to retire. It is. You meet a bunch of young television people here. Because we are, yeah, like we're a top 100 television market. Right. And radio, we're like 130. Yeah, something like that. But, you know, what's crazy is that all the young reporters and the the young news anchors I I meet, they most of them have gone to school out west, Mm -hmm. you know, Arizona State, whatever, Cronkite School of Broadcasting. A lot of these TV stations will recommend that they start in the South. 
you have to do something with your voice in the South on television so that Southern people can understand you. But you can also break an accent that you already had. So if you're, let's say you're from um, Philadelphia. Okay. And then you, you go to school. What's in Philadelphia? Is Temple, Temple's there? Uh, I mean, UPenn's there. Penn's there, yeah. sure. So uh, then you come to the South, and that'll help you break your Philadelphia accent, for example. Yeah. I've always heard that. I've had television general managers tell me that. I always find that, I mean, I, I, since I do television for a living, I try not to be... Uh, the the person who uh, would read, I'm just going to pull a piece of paper over here. Just yet. I don't even know what's going to be on here, but I'll read it like a news person. Neutral colors, blues, browns, greens, grays, okay. maroon, or black. Right, right, right. Stripes, you know, and I'm like, no one talks like that. But for some reason, the man in question arrived at the door, opened it, and then shot the two people inside. Yeah, not me, bro. Like, when did that start to be the norm for that? So I never do that. You should read off a prompter. Yeah, but things I read off a prompter, and it's just a matter of you just read it. You, and I want to sound like I'm talking and not that I'm telling. I don't want to be, you know, I want to talk to you, not at you. Well, my goal when I do the radio show, and this is one reason that I hate to say my name, because I can hear myself saying my name. Yeah. I mean, it's my name. Very right. familiar with it. But when I do the radio show, I want to sound the exact same way coming out of the speakers that I sound when I meet you in person. I, I want to sound that way always. So, lots of times, I say things that are completely indiscernible. Mm -hmm. I will say, I know there is a there is a little bit of a difference between real-life Adam and radio Adam. When I get ultra-comfortable. So, when I do the morning show, I am 100% comfortable. Well, I will just say, not, not that part, not personality, accent-wise. I, I think you put on, not put on much, but I think you go a little bit more Southern for the show. Now, granted, you do a country morning radio No, no, no. Show. See, here's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm more comfortable because my mom... So is, the more comfy you get, the more Southern you get? 100%. Okay. So when I'm on the radio, I sound exactly like I sound when I'm with my parents. Okay. And I'm ultra comfortable. I gotcha. Interesting. But, but when I do this podcast, this is a download deal. Yeah. Right? So... I don't know who's listening where. Yeah. No, none of the people that listen to this know who I am. True that. Unless they're family members or whatever. Right. So I try to eliminate as much of it as human. I gotcha. Which is, I, I feel you. I, I thought it was going to be just the opposite. No. So uh, take this for example. Like if we went and had beers at a baseball game, mm -hmm. same dude that you hear on the morning show. I gotcha. The only time that you and I ever talk when we're not doing this podcast is when I'm off the air. Yeah. I'm not really happy when I'm not doing the show. That's the honest truth. Yeah. It's the best four hours of my life, except when I'm at home with my wife. Yeah. The rest of it's all just work. Yeah, not the daughter, though. No. I heard just the wife. Both. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah, look, I'm not getting in trouble. You forgot your wife's grandmother was dead. I'm hey, not. I don't know if she is or if she isn't. <laughs> Even worse. I'm pretty confident she might be. But that's why BJ says my name now. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. It was a long way around that. It was. But it's interesting, though, because... Uh, you know, we're, we're comfortable in different situations. Uh, I like to, uh, you know, talk a lot. You like to talk a lot, so this works well. Sure. Uh, the thing that has been encapsulating most of the conversations for the last two weeks, and according to one of the Russos, I think it was Joe that said that as of today, you can start saying Avengers spoilers. People have been talking about Avengers the last two weeks because he said, hey, look, first week, first weekend, 
not a lot of people, I mean, lots of people saw it, but not everybody gets to see it. By the second weekend, and it crossed over the $2 billion mark, that as of Monday, if you hear someone say a spoiler, you can't assault them because there's lots of stories of that going on. You think that's true? I feel like I feel like he should be able to go one more week. Oh. I still haven't talked about Shazam spoilers with anyone. I am from a town with a $2 theater. Really? Yes. Man, I forgot about dollar theaters. Yeah. Oh, it's gone up. It used to be a dollar theater when I was younger. My wife and I lived in Winston-Salem. The, the $2 theater in Winston-Salem was a four-minute drive mm-hmm. and probably a 20-minute walk. Now, I will say, depending on what time of night it was, not a 20-minute walk we're trying to make. <laughs> yeah. But we would go to that. <laughs> I'd run that thing at 10. <laughs> we would go. Uh, we saw every movie there. Yeah. Why not? It yeah, was why? an old theater. Yeah. It Four was, bucks. You both saw it. It was a Cinemark, I believe. Okay. And they upgraded to another facility. Okay. So somebody came in and purchased that one. And I feel like you got to wait until the movie's there. Mm-hmm. That's got to be another three, four weeks. Depends on the movie. It does. You know, like th- this was going to run a while. It truly is. And and I do think now, I've not seen an article on this to, to confirm it, just based upon how much money it made last weekend and what it did this past weekend, and it's getting closer. I think by the end of this upcoming weekend, I think it will surpass Avatar as the number one grossing movie of all time. Not counting the inflation stuff or any of that, just straight up. Uh, I think Avatar is at like two, six or something. It's whatever it is. Avengers has a chance to knock it out as of this weekend. Definitely by the end of next weekend, over two weeks from now or less, Avengers will be number one. But you saw some stuff that some 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 negativity regarding Avengers. Not everybody loves this movie. There are some negative movie reviews. Now I will say uh, that may be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. To say that people felt that the movie was poorly done. It, it, is not the case I don't think at you, all. Yeah, I don't think you can say that. But on a one to ten, I have seen some six and a halfs, and I've seen some sevens, and I have a compiled a list of the major complaints. Before you do that, okay, uh, your scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. what do you give it before you give those? Would you say there's a perfect movie? Uh, does Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando count? No, it doesn't. Okay, because it's, it's too good. That's an eleven. Uh, I don't know if there's a perfect movie, to be honest with you. Best movies I've ever seen, I'll give you those. And we'll say that that's the top of the threshold Okay, for me, okay? Goodfellas. Okay. Godfather yep. 1 and 2. Okay. I think Schindler's List. Never saw it. Is an incredible movie. Uh, Shawshank Redemption yes. is an incredible movie. Yeah. Uh, Birdman from Alcatraz. Never if saw I'm going to go super old school. Citizen Kane's a great movie. Never it's, saw it. Citizen Kane's overdone. I'm from Georgia. Never seen Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Ten Commandments is up there. The, Saw it. The Seventh Seal. Now I'm going silent on everybody. Uh, what about Seven? One says one of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, yeah. it's a good, good thriller. But anyways, okay. that's okay. the top of my threshold. Okay. I would say that all those movies are, say, nine and a halfs. Okay. I'd give this movie that. Okay. And I would have given the last movie a nine. Yeah, because I've thought about it a little bit, too, since you know, since seeing it, and we're, we're two weeks removed now. I would give Avengers Infinity War... If I'm going to give them a nine and a half, I give Endgame a nine. And here's why. I think Infinity War, I could watch beginning to end every single time that it's on. This one for Endgame, give me the last hour, I'll watch it every single time. The last hour of that movie is better than Infinity War. But if I'm going to look at it as a whole, I'll give a half a share higher to Infinity War. So what is some of the the negativity that some people have said? The number one complaint, BJ, this seems to be across the board, is the first half of the movie being pretty boring. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
And I've I don't think it's boring. There's stuff in there, but the, compared to the last half, it's like running, you know, getting getting some let's say some U.S. or like world class athletes that are pretty fast at a race. And like, man, those guys are fast. But then right after them, you put like Usain Bolt and like the like even better athletes. All of them were fast, right? But comparatively, the first guy seems slower now. Sure, I'll give you that too. Uh, another one here: too easy to kill Thanos. Uh, they made a mockery of Thor. Was it too easy to kill Th- Thanos? I don't. I'm not saying that I agree. Oh, with I know. Any I'm of just this. saying, like, as we kind of knock these down a little bit, the first parts you have a depowered, injured, can barely get up the stairs. It's the Wilford Brimley of villains. Anybody could have killed them. Are you saying Thanos has diabetes? <laughs> That's what happened when he did the snap. He got burned up, and then his diabetes kicked in, and he couldn't he couldn't villainize the way he did before. Have you ever read about the grieving process in senior citizens as they near the end of their life? Like dead serious question. No. Okay, so there are several. St- I have, remember I have a lack of emotions. There's this no way true. I'm going to read that. I, I have always read, whether it be in psychology uh, classroom settings or, or whatever, that there are several stages of grieving okay. that a senior citizen will go through towards the end of their life because they are coming up on the end of existence. Yeah, and and uh, you know, depending on your faith or whatever, you, you have to deal with the other side, mm-hmm. right? Thanos has already gone through that process, so he's not too easy to kill. He just knows that his entire destiny has already been played out, and he has served his purpose. Yeah, There's no need to even fight back. Because he doesn't. You're right. And I saw this on a lot of the lists, that it was too easy to kill Thanos, but I think people were missing that. He's already accomplished the goal. What else is there to fight for? True that. He's brought balance, he's brought balance to everybody. Yeah, good call. Um, what was the one you said after that one? I missed it because I was talking. They made a mockery of Thor, comedic relief. I, okay. We brought that yeah, up. Yeah, we did. To, um, they said Ant-Man. I've seen this a lot. Ant-Man was too dumb. They, huh. But they, but uh, honestly, if you watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, they sort of went, you know, yeah. a little comedic with Paul Rudd's character too. Yeah, a little bit. So I'll he, give you that. And also, he did not go in Thanos' ass. Which I was really thought that was going to happen. Professor Hulk, a lot of people didn't like it. You didn't like it. Yeah, so overall I was okay with it. What I didn't like was that we didn't get to see it happen, so we really don't have anything invested in him. We're invested in Bruce Banner, we're invested in the Hulk, put them together for Smart Hulk, no investment there. I have uh, this one too, which I thought was interesting. I want to get your take. There was no time to mourn Black Widow as Black Widow was completely overshadowed by the death of Tony Stark. Or yet on that. I'm okay with that because I didn't care that she died. I feel like that was the sociopath answer I was looking for. Yeah, like I, I really didn't care. Because it's not that she hasn't brought anything to the table. She has, and she's been a cool character. She's going to have a movie coming out uh, first part of next year. It looks like the, the Marvel slate that they've got. Hers is probably the first one that's going to come out. Uh, they should name that in another month or two. But when it comes to the films, what is she really going to bring to the table in the long run? Do you know who she is? I- I've been waiting to tell you this all day. Who? Qui-Gon Jinn or Mace Windu. Great characters. Yeah. They offer nothing to forward the plot of the story. That is also true. So when you've got to knock one out. Yeah. And it, it really could have been flip the you know flip the coin on either Hawkeye or her. I, I think the, the clearly the the writers knew that 
that's who they sent to go to that place. Didn't you feel like we weren't going to get the Hawkeye death, though, because of the opening of the movie? Yes, and I didn't think we were going to get the Hawkeye death because they've already... They had already done that to us in Age of Ultron. You thought he was going to die the whole movie. They had set that up so much, you thought he was going to die. And then Quicksilver pushes him out of the way, takes those bullets instead. Side note is that never should have happened. He's so fast, he should have been able to push them out of the way and or just move the bullets. He didn't have to push them out of the way, just could have moved the bullets and everything would have been fine. But I get it. You need a tragedy, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so since they did it once to us, I didn't think they were going to do it again. But I had that same theory for Infinity War. They had almost killed Tony. Thanos had almost killed him. He lived through it. So they gave us that moment of, is he going to die? Oh, he's okay. That they wouldn't do that to us again. Tony's likelihood of death, and we covered this in the last uh, podcast too, Tony's likelihood of death from Endgame seemed significantly smaller from his damage and battle scars or whatever than it did in Infinity War. Like he should have died in that one. Yeah, I thought so. He got impaled. Uh, people are complaining about people are complaining about uh, Captain Marvel. What about her? Doesn't belong. Yeah. Well, she wasn't originally in the script. Have you seen the body language expert video? No, you've told me about this. So Brie Larson is doing an interview with Hemsworth and Cheadle. Okay. So she's in the middle. Uh, Don Cheadle is to her left. Mr. Hemsworth is to her right. Okay. She is situated in the middle. So uh, this is, and read into this what you want. Mm -hmm. We should share this on the social media. I'll give you the link. They bring in a body language expert who breaks down everybody's body language, their facial mannerisms, Mm -hmm. their expressions, their responses. Yeah, they're an expert on it. And the body language expert is really convincing about... Brie Larson not belonging, and Don Cheadle and and Hemsworth not being, and Chris Hemsworth there not being at all interested in her existence. Really? In the club. Yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah, because I will say that, based upon what I have read, and some of the interviews that I've seen and read, she really wasn't there for a whole lot of it. She, heck, the, the scene that she shot... For the end of Mar- uh, of her own movie, from what I understand, she wasn't even with them. She shot that like on a green screen and then said, where's Nick Fury? And they weren't there. So they're pointing. You and got it, directors telling and it her where. it wasn't until she saw Captain Marvel and waited for the end credit and goes, oh, that scene. I remember doing that. But she just had to go do that while she was on her set. Uh, we also know that she shot... Endgame before she even shot Captain Marvel. For that first little section, that's probably a handful of days of shooting, and then done. Whole rest of the movie happens, and then a handful of days for the second part. So I'm just going to use random numbers. If Let's say you spent six months filming that movie total. Yep. Various cast and crew staying for all of it or whatever. I bet she probably had six weeks worth of shooting out of that. And that's, that's a little much even. That's a month and a half. Let me ask you a question. I have two questions. I'll, I'll, we'll come back to the second one because it's interesting too, I think, just to, to hear your take. Let's say that you're playing a character. Okay. Which superhero would you want to play the most? Just not based on the way the movie's turned out or anything. Like, who would you enjoy playing the most? 
Uh, out of any of the ones I think I'd have the most fun playing or just the one I would want to do, you know, I think I'd take Spider-Man. Okay, cool. I'll take one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take Thor or Captain America or sure. Iron Man. It doesn't matter right. for this argument. Do you think they get pissed off that they've had this run of movies, they've all acted together, they've all been intertwined, and then we've got back-to-back movies with the new kid, and she's the hero of the film? Because essentially she is. Yeah. If Captain Marvel doesn't show up, done's It's up. toast. Yeah. Do you... Because they're not really the, they're not really superheroes, mm-hmm. but they are associated with that person forever. Like yeah. if you ask me, you know the argument who is Batman? Mm-hmm. Some people be like uh, Michael Keaton or, right. or or you know Christian Bale. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you can say anybody else. A- Adam anymore. West. People, <laughs> right, a lot of people yeah, say yeah, Adam yeah, West. Yeah, that's a good one. So people say that. Well, when you ask somebody who Iron Man is, the answer is Robert Downey Jr. That's right, and that's going to be. Forever. Mm-hmm. Superman has that. It's Christopher, Christopher Reeve. Reeve. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it pisses them off a little bit? That here comes the new person in there. I think it probably does. I would it would piss me off. Yeah, because one thing that Hollywood has is is you wouldn't know it all the time, but you know, shallow not shallow, but uh fragile egos. Even though they're performers and all that stuff, the you know, their personalities are such that they want to be liked. And when they have this notoriety, and they've worked hard for that notoriety, and here comes someone who, I'm not saying didn't work as hard, she's got an Academy Award uh, that comes in and, and is the most powerful character ever in something that you built. It's, you know what? She's the stepdad. Oh. You know, you paid for that house. You created that family. You happened to get divorced. And here comes the next person who came in that's the fun stepdad. And then you're kind of, oh, it's great. Now, it's this good. is not Brie Larson's fault. No. It could have been anybody cast w- in that role. I wish it was Charlize Theron. I, I think she would have crushed that role. I like looking at Brie Larson. But neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. You remember uh, in the last podcast, and you looked up uh, how much Robert Downey Jr. made for the first Iron Man. Yeah. And so on and so forth. We broke those numbers down. Brie Larson never made that little money no, doing a Marvel no. movie. She came in hot. You know, she came in hot. And I would assume that there could be resentment. Now, Cheadle came out and was like, this is garbage. Yeah. But I've watched the video, Don. Bruh. Yeah. Could, it could have been an off day. And they no, no, do a lot fair. of press. They that's do a fair. lot. And, and I've come to realize they tend to not like that as much because it's the same questions over the you know, same three or four This days. is a roundtable interview. Okay. It, it, this is as much of a roundtable interview as you could possibly have. Okay. It's nonstop roundtable questions. I got you. Uh, so, but that is out there, so you can check okay. the social media stuff out. We'll do that. And I think the last thing that I had here was there a question two. Oh yeah, no, no, no. question two. I'm sorry. Yo, thanks for reeling me in. You're welcome. So you were talking about Brie Larson not being there to shoot all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, and that's side note. Have you heard the brand new? Blue on Black, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. It's Five Finger Death Punch, Brantley Gilbert, and Brian May does a guitar solo. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd's in it as well. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd, of course. Now, yeah. have you seen the guitar solo? Have you seen the video? I saw the video, yes. Brian May? Yeah. He's not in the studio with those dudes. No. He <laughs> He's clear- in his house. He walked into a room with a guitar <laughs> amplifier and he played that. I guarantee you that shot on location at his castle in yeah. Edinburgh or whatever. Five Finger Death Punch has never met Brian May. <laughs> That's right. May- maybe they have, but not in that scenario. So this is going to tie this yeah. thing back together. Brie Larson's not there. To bring up a movie that I mentioned earlier, we'll go with The Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. 
or we could have said Cleopatra, mm-hmm. or we can say The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. or, or any of these movies that were made in the late 30s on through probably, let's say, 1980 yeah. or so. Huge, elaborate set pieces mm-hmm. on these huge, elaborate sound stages with the... Uh, Ten Commandments is one of my favorites because you can tell that the backdrops are painted. Mm-hmm. And I just always like to see that stuff, like the Red Sea, and you'll visualize yeah. that, and it's like, wow, somebody painted that. And mm-hmm. it was a team of people, and it probably took weeks. Right, yeah. And there's a cast there, and there's... The magic of Hollywood. Yeah, it's hundreds of people there, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they lose some of the luster with current special effects now of the way that the actors and actresses interact with each other? I think so, because... I listen to a lot of interviews. I watch a lot of interviews just like you do. And some of them will mention when they walk onto a set and there's a real set there, like real pieces. Prop like pieces. There's a ship there. Yeah. And there's like... Stage design. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, oh, like you feel immersed. And they'll mention because typically we walk in and it's all green or blue and there's a couple of controls and everything else is going to be digitally done later. Uh, so I do feel like that you can heck uh, we did a story for one of my and this is small potatoes compared to it uh, for one of my shows the other day I had to go stand in front of a green screen and act like I was picking the nose of an Easter Island statue because apparently tourists are going and they're touching the statues and they're trying to they're destroying stuff and walking in spots not supposed to be so they can look like they're picking the nose of the statue so I did some poses to look like that but Looking then on the show, we showed the photos. My two co-hosts had not seen those and didn't believe, like, that's not you. Is that you? When did you go there? Because that's how real it looked. That's something that my producer did real quick in Photoshop. But I had the fun of just standing in front of that screen sure. and doing that. And then they thought I had gone somewhere. So it's beneficial, of course, because you can make a movie that's whatever. But I do think it's hard. Uh, look at uh, Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Okay, uh, She's riding a dragon. And she's having fun riding that dragon. She's on some giant green harness-looking thing floating up above in a room imagining that she's on a dragon. That can't be super exciting. Join Jon Snow, uh, when Kit Harington had to do it for the first time, um, his boys were bunched up while he was sitting there mm. because it's uncomfortable. So he's having to deal with that while faking that he's riding on a dragon. You know how much cooler it would be like back in the day? You know who rode Falcor? A tra- uh, not a tray. You. What was the? Uh, what was the main guy from uh, the Neverending Story? He's no longer with us. That kid's dead. Yeah, I believe so. Really? Yeah. So a tray. You was the horse. No. Ar- no. A tray. You was the boy. Right. Artax was mm-hmm. the horse. So a tray. You. Uh, he was really on Falcor. They had a. They had a real animatronic thing. And I'm the luck dragon. And you believed it. And there is that sense of wonder. Oh no! Neverending Story two kid. Is no longer. Oh, with that's us. Jonathan Brandis. Yes, he was in Deep Space Nine or something. Uh, yeah, no, Sequest. So I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, wrong direction. Yeah. He, he was under the water. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, no, Jonathan and Ladybugs. Uh, and he's no longer with us. He is not. Okay, no, I'm yeah. sorry. No, Go ahead. No, that one I knew. But I feel like those kids and the people on that set had a sense of wonder because it was real, and they all had to be there together. I think you're right when you don't actually have to be there. You filmed the scene with two of your co-hosts or your, your, your scene partners, and one, you didn't even shoot it at the same time, and two, you probably didn't shoot it in the same country. You know, um, did you see Interstellar? Uh, De- Dennis Quaid? Uh, no, no, sorry, that, that's Interspace. Uh, Interstellar, Matthew McConaughey? Yes, Christopher yes. Nolan. Yes. So Christopher Nolan caught a lot of flack for that movie because 
I, I love this. It's a mind bender besides that. Well, people were talking about how the landscape scenes, the CGI was just poorly done. All of the movies shot on location. All of it was real? Yeah, all of it was real. Like, that's the world that we're living in now. There are places that exist on Earth. Like, he's going to Antarctica and stuff to shoot yeah. these scenes. And people were like, oh, my gosh, it's like the fakest-looking thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that's because... It's real. <laughs> we're so used to seeing the Isn't fake. that nuts? Don't you remember I told you, um, th- like, a couple days after I saw the movie, we shot the... No, I saw, we shot the podcast when I saw the movie. Like an yeah, hour that, later. That same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I thought that Captain Marvel, there was one ragdoll part in that, and then That's we right. worked that whole thing out. Have we become immune to being able to identify CGI? Like, obviously, if you're doing a space battle or something, clearly, but, you know, we reached that point. Oh, I think there's no doubt that we have no idea at this point what's fake and what's real. Some of the things are absolutely blatant, sure. But there are some, because th- I love to watch the, uh, like the behind the scenes stuff, you know, when you get the DVD and the Blu-ray and you watch that stuff. It is amazing to watch just a basic city scene, a regular city scene. And out of that, 30 of those buildings are fake. Right. And I would have never guessed in a million years that they were fake. But they were because they needed them to look a certain way at a certain, whatever it was. So I, I think without a doubt, most of the things that we're watching if there's a budget of, you know, more than $20 million, a lot of that junk is fake. Well, think about all the, uh, like, the timepieces that people do now. Like, so you're doing a movie, then you're shooting in Chicago in 1925, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's bringing in, you know, 250, you know, Model Ts or whatever, or right. 32 Ford Roadsters to be on the street for a scene shot in 1936. Yeah. You can't pull that off anymore. I've always hoped for it, and here's why. Growing up, my sister's best friend, Tara, her dad had two, like, old cars. I don't remember what they are at this point, like 1940-something cars. And they were filming a movie in Georgia, or like a made-for-TV movie, and they needed some cars. And if you let them borrow yours, and if they needed to change it, they needed to make his look like a cop car or whatever, they will paint it back any color you want when we're done. So we want to borrow it. We're going to make it look a cop car, but when you're done, you pick the color. And ever since then, um, I've been waiting for that because I have a 1950 Ford <laughs> F2. As you know, it's a pickup truck. And I've been waiting for someone to use it Get and, a then, and then go, hey, by the end of it, you can, you know, we'll paint it any color you want. But that junk doesn't happen anymore because they'll just put a digital 1950 truck rolling down the street. So never told anybody this story before, but they were shooting a Halloween movie in Charleston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you're talking Michael Myers Halloween. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Not the yeah. holiday, the actual film. Yes. Yeah. So they were looking for extras. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this would be great. And they were looking for vehicles. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for people in my particular age range. Mm-hmm. So whatever it was at the time, 30 to 40-year-old, whatever. They wanted the car and not me. Because that was just like an average car. I mean, it's a sports yeah. car, but yeah. it's a blacked-out sure. sports car. Yeah. It's the most disappointing thing to ever happen to. Did you let them do it? No. No? But package deal, baby. I feel you. Package deal. I've won it because they do film a lot of things in Charleston. They used to do a lot of things up in Wilmington. And they actually film a surprising amount of, of stuff where we live here, too, like Lifetime movies and whatnot. Uh, I've wanted to be in those things. Me, too. Just for whatever. And uh, like, not like I want to change my appearance for it, uh, but... Uh, I don't even want to get paid. Yeah, and they usually don't pay very much anyway. That's what I'm saying. I just want to be... In there. Yeah. We got a meteorologist here. 
done mm. a couple of them, dude. Yeah, and and for the record, we are going to have him on the podcast at some point because he is the unofficial mayor of our of our town. He's done it right in his career, and we also know that he likes things that other people will find surprising, and that's why we'll put him on the podcast with us. Uh, but yeah, he's done those, and and I want to do them too because I feel like once I'm there, and this is going to sound egotistical for a second, I feel like I'm charismatic enough that as I make the people around me maybe laugh or have a good time, they're going to go, oh, I wonder what's going on with that group over there. And then someone of importance kind of listens in and goes, oh, hey, man, how would you like to be, instead of ex- man walks dog down street, how would you like to be this guy over here? We'll even give you a line. That's what I dream of. See, I feel like that could 100% happen. And I have a similar vision, only it veers off course from yours. I feel like people could interact with me, mm-hmm. and then they're going to be like, wow. I think we've got the new Crispin Glover, like the real. Oh, oh, you've okay. The real crazy. I got you. Method character guy. Yeah, they think you're playing a role, but you're not. Right. I got you. That's the Crispin Glover. We don't have a Crispin Glover today. We have Jim. We, we do. It's Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like Crispin Glover is a method character actor. Yeah. And I don't feel like we're getting that out of Nick Cage. I was going to say Jim Carrey. Oh, speaking of Jim Carrey, have you seen the trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog? It looks horrendous. It, I, if you told me they made this movie today, I would have said, no, that looks like something they made in the 90s. Like 96? Yes, it is. And, and one nice thing about this, if you have not seen it, Sonic's got human teeth and everyone's got a problem with the human teeth of Sonic the Hedgehog. The director of this movie said, hey, guess what? We hear you. We're going to fix it. So they're going to go back in. And this is it's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's not like it's uh, Billy and Sonic. Sonic's going to be in pretty much every scene of this movie. And Sonic's not real. Those teeth are going to be jacked. They're going to have to digitally do those. So then what people have done is they have used Photoshop or whatever they've got. And they have edited what they think Sonic should look like in this movie based upon the character from the game and this sort of hybrid that they're doing for the movie. And I'll have to be honest with you, the version that the people have done looks way better than what the actual movie studio did. From the shape of the body, the length of the legs, the eyes of Sonic, the teeth of Sonic, the people have nailed it. How did a movie studio miss that? And I mentioned that because of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's the bad guy in the movie. He is. Now, I feel bad about this movie. Why? You didn't make it. It's the end of the career of one of my favorite actors. James Marsden? Yes. Because he's in it? Yeah. I, I love James Marsden. I think he is awesome. Have you ever seen The Box? Uh, really no. weird and stupid movie. The Box shows up, and yeah. if you press it, you get something great, but something bad will happen to somebody yeah. else. I would probably press the button. Um, I have not. I've seen bits and pieces of that one. I don't think this kills James Marsden's career because he was in the movie Hop. Right? Didn't that have another CGI character that he was with that didn't do so yeah, great? Yeah, but dude, it didn't... He's also in the Nachos Fries commercial right we've, now, too. We've watched Hop. Yeah. You know who loves Hop? My, my kid. Yeah, and, you're, and your kid will love Sonic as well. That's not true. You don't think so? No, it's, dude, it's so 1996, but the man. But kids the kids don't know that. It's like those live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah. But, and even, not the ones with like Sarah Michelle and all those people in it like mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo 4 and 5 oh yeah like the made for uh, like direct yeah. to home video yeah it's that it is pretty terrible it could look better Jim Carrey is 
also not as Jim Carrey-ish as I thought he was going to be, but in the trailer you see this is a kid's movie. There's a lot of occasions where they make a movie that's for kids, but the adults will also enjoy it. Toy Story. Uh, yes. But you can tell by the writing in this and the lines and what they've shown us so far, this is a movie that is made for children. 100%. Because I'm going to go see this weekend, I guess, uh, Detective Pikachu. Not because I want to. My son loves Pokemon. That one looks like it might be entertaining. And I'm actually looking forward to going to it because I'm like, oh, this will probably be pretty good. I like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, He's sure. vo voicing uh, Pikachu. And it looks like they made it with the kids and for the people who have to take them there in mind where Sonic the Hedgehog did not. You asked me if I saw the Sonic trailer. I did. I know you're not watching trailers right now, but I saw one that is killer, dude. What is it? Spider-Man. They have. Oh, did it drop? Yes. I haven't seen it. Now, are you or are you not? I'm going to watch it. Tom Holland comes on at the beginning and he says, if you have not seen Endgame, okay. do not, you have to watch it. I will. Yeah, he, he starts out at the beginning. He says, uh, you know, in his cute little British accent or yeah. whatever. You haven't seen Endgame, stop right now. If you have, enjoy. Oh, I, I heard it. there was potential of it dropping this week. It did. It dropped today. Yeah, so I must have been uh, doing the news, and it snuck under. Oh, my gosh. So I will 100% watch it uh, when the podcast is done. Ruining my... Uh, my uh, That only lasted one movie. Well, look, Endgame's over. Mm -hmm. We've wrapped that story. Yeah. I think you can go back in now. Yeah, because I will, I will tell you, I was legitimately surprised at everything I saw in Endgame because I'd only seen the very first trailer... And a lot of that stuff wasn't very real. And so, like, you know, fake things in the trailer. So now I'll go back and I will watch Spider-Man. All right, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we have not done this. So let's do this now. The Power Five. Our Power Five for the week is going to be five surprising bands that you like. It's not necessarily that these are bad bands or anything like that. If I saw you and knew you, I would be surprised like, oh, you like them. Okay, that's cool. Maybe I love them too. I have no idea. And so that is going to be our power five uh, for for the week. You want to go first? Who's up, me? Yeah, why don't you go? Okay, cool. I was listening to this one yesterday, almost exclusively yesterday. Mm -hmm. I listened, I probably put in an hour and a half, 90 minutes of this one act. Okay. At home, I was playing guitar and I was... Uh, one thing I do as a guitar player is to uh, further the way that I look at music is to listen to a lot of music that doesn't have guitars. So I listen for what other instruments are doing. Okay. Yesterday, I spent about 90 minutes listening to Diana Ross and the Supremes. Wow. Yeah. That Well, look, dude, the backing band that Barry Gordy was using in Motown mm -hmm. for all those hit records, be it the Jackson 5 or Marvin Gaye or the Supremes, top-notch temptations they all shared the same band those guys were great so there's one for okay me. surprising i know yeah. the lyrics to all that stuff the second one for me is like super corny 80s stuff because i grew up listening to it and my mom was still really cool when i was a kid mm -hmm. and was into top 40 so i wrote uh four bands that i'm gonna or four acts i'm gonna classify as one here i've got the bangles okay tiffany paul young and uh chris deberg or oh, lady, lady in red, in red. yeah <laughs> yeah so like that's hey, Beng Bengals covered Prince, man. I still think that Eternal Flame mm -hmm. is an all-time great love song. Turn around, give me your hand, darling. I, dude, and there's a guitar solo mm -hmm. in the middle. Like the whole thing's killer. Susanna Hoffs, hot dude. There was some stuff. Had they wrote that stuff? They wrote a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. man. To yeah, me, she's, that, she's married to Jay Roach, who did the Austin Powers movies. That's true. The next one is Creed. <laughs> 
We had a discussion about Creed today. We did. I, dude, I was in high school when Creed was I feel you. kicking it hardcore. My own prison came out when mm-hmm. I was gonna be I was gonna be a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. Killer stuff, dude. Yeah, and we joke too when you get to do Creed. We joked before about this. When you get to do Creed, you get to put on a voice for it. Anyone who ever has Creed comes on, everyone gets to do it. <laughs> Quarters in session. Verdict is in one. Oh, one. Yeah, and it makes it fun to sing. Right. And and funny enough, he's doing a voice of Eddie Vedder. And no one did Eddie Vedder before Eddie did. That's right. And so that was number three for me. Uh, number four was Usher. I, oh, okay. I won free tickets to an Atlanta Braves game. Uh, I was there on like a Friday. Uh, Bell South. You remember Bell South, of, of course, course yeah, BJ? Yeah. Used to be a Bell South building in Atlanta. They were doing a contest. As soon as you walked in, uh, Bell South will set up there, hey, man, you want to do some karaoke? Chance to win free tickets to tomorrow's game. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll knock that out. So between innings, they showed these three video clips and did a clap meter mm-hmm. I sang You Got It Bad by Usher. Made those Atlanta people really move. <laughs> Good for you. So I got those free tickets. And then last on my list was Alicia Keys. I think she is incredibly talented. Yeah. And this, again, comes back to the listening to other instruments. Man, she can really play the keys. Yeah, I'll give it. Keys can play uh, the no keys. No pun intended. Good for you. All right, here's the ones that I have here. And I'm kind of stuck on, like, not having a fifth, but I'm getting to it. I am a massive fan of Run DMC. Okay. And I grew as I've mentioned earlier even in this podcast, I grew up in Atlanta and Stone Mountain. And when Run DMC Raising Hell came out, it was the first time I was able to buy a parental advisory album. Okay. I wasn't with my parents. I happened to be at the mall because I was hanging out with my cousin and my aunt. And I'm like, oh, here's what I want. And I just handed it to her and I gave her money. And so essentially essentially she bought it. And then I took it home and I wore that thing out. I have the same exact type story with Use Your Illusion, but the parental advisory on yeah. that. But yeah, but, but Run DMC, awesome. Tricky to rock around that's right on time. That's right on time. It's tricky. Yeah. How is it tricky, tricky, <laughs> tricky? You know, in New York, people talk it and they try to make us rhyme. Uh, they really, they make us halt, but we just, something because we have no time. And in the city, it's a pity. Yeah. Because we just can't it's good hide. stuff, man. Mm. Uh, this is uh, one that is a guilty pleasure for me. I still listen to it. My wife doesn't like it. It's Fiona Apple. And you just had a head snap on that one. What? Yeah. And the reason being is she started radio in 90... I'm sorry, started her career in 96, 97, somewhere in there. And that's when I started my radio career as well. And I had a massive, massive crush on Fiona Apple because we're about the same age. She's maybe like maybe two years older than I am. Okay. And I had the opportunity to interview her. At, and I'm a rookie radio person too. And I'm, I'm like, the interview is like, so like, um, I'm backstage. I just got to see her perform. She's opening for the Counting Crows. Usually you do an interview before a show, after a show, never in the middle of it. Right. But she had just done that and whatever. And so I, I heard, I will, uh, you're, I heard, <laughs> so who are your biggest influences? Cause I heard your biggest influences where, where it was like my Angelou, because you said that, and like, I'm answering the question that I'm asking. And That's luckily she, she was so gracious and like, oh yeah, you were right. Uh, the blah, blah, blah. And I was so nervous and I've always wanted to see her again just to kind of make up for that and also see if she'll uh, let me leave my wife for her. Uh, so Fiona Apple's on my list. Uh, the greatest showman album is on my list. I know it's not a band, but yeah, I'm getting the eyebrow raises out of uh, you as Hugh well. Wolverine? Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Wolverine, bro? Yeah. It's because when it came out, my wife and daughter saw it in the theater. 
and then it's being played ad nauseum in my house. Now, keep in mind, my daughter drives. It's not like my daughter is six. I have a high schooler, you know, listening to this, and my wife continuously listening to it between, like, the Google Home playing it or then just randomly singing it, and then now I'm starting to, you know, like it as well. When it finally comes out on, you know, HBO or whatever it happened to be on, I watch it and go, oh, Pretty good. This is, a, this is a good movie. Okay. And then now I find myself, I'm in the workshop doing manly things like building wood with my hands. And I'm playing, this is the greatest show. And like the Zac Efron parts and all that stuff. And so it is a guilty pleasure. I, I would go listen to it. I might listen to it on the ride home right now. Dude, my list is way rider than yours. It is. And it's about to get worse. Uh, Matchbox 20. That's not bad. Is on mine. And it's... For me, I it was one of the best songwriters around with Rob Thomas, and that music, 1997 is when uh, Yourself or Someone Like You comes out, and I loved it. Side note, me and a buddy of mine named Scott Kenny, we were going to be, Matchbox 20 didn't have a fan club, and they happened to roll through our town. We're one of the first radio stations to play them in the country, and they don't have a fan club. Like, you don't have a fan club? Can we do it? And Rob Thomas is like, yeah, man, sure. Gave me the, here's my manager's phone number and all this stuff. And, like, we tried to make that happen. They happened to roll back through a couple months later. And uh, he goes, how's that fan club thing going? And I'm like, man, your, your manager won't call me back. So, like, like, let's get that going. So I was almost the president of the Matchbox 20 fan club. That would have been killer. There was a lot of people that thought they were going to be the, as big as you could have possibly been. Uh, true. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he was. And then last but not least, uh, I feel I think I don't think I'm gonna get dinged on this. Uh, this will be one of the least dings, especially because of Fiona Apple and The Greatest Showman, hooting the blowfish. Oh no, you're not getting dinged on that. Because I, when I learned how to play guitar, that was one of the bands that I learned how to play more songs front to back. And Darius has his own sound, but you if get you, to do a voice, if, dude. If you get to, if you could do Eddie Vedder or you could do Scott Stapp from Creed, you can do Darius. Darius Rucker. was doing Vedder. I mean, he was doing it. He really was. He just did a Carolina veteran. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and so I loved that. My very first real concert, I think we've mentioned on here before, was Hooting the Blowfish as well. So I have some cool points with Run DMC. I know I lose you on The Greatest Showman and Fiona. Not a big time. But you know in about 10 minutes here, when I'm rolling home, it's the greatest show in my car. Okay. It is going to be Wolverine phenomenal. Wolverine sings to you on the way home. He does. If you've never seen him do Oklahoma, it might change your opinion of that as well. He, do, he does good. that too. I'm good. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll burn you a DVD at that. All right, as always, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, like us on the socials. Uh, we'll post up that uh, Spider-Man trailer uh, that Adam had mentioned. Uh, we are on the Twitter, the Instagram, all of that jazz, all the major platforms. Share us with people. Let them know that we're here, too. Uh, and like us, subscribe, give us some stars so more people can listen. As always, thanks, and until next time.